In the name of one God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Think for a moment about the last time you said or thought the phrase, I'll believe it when I see it. Save 15% on car insurance. (laughs) I'll believe it when I see it. Hey, Mom, I cleaned my bathroom. I'll believe it when I see it. Our lives will be back to normal by the end of the year. I'll believe it when I see it. This is what Thomas says in today's Gospel reading. Jesus is raised from the dead. I'll believe it when I see it. What does Jesus want us to take away from the story of Doubting Thomas? At first look, it might be easy to assume that today's Gospel is all about Thomas's doubt in the resurrection of Jesus. I don't think it is. I think it's about Jesus' love for his friend Thomas. And through that, his love for us. Jesus uses Thomas's questioning and doubt as a means to strengthen his faith. Jesus meets Thomas in his doubt, just like he meets us in our doubt. Most of what we know about Thomas comes from the Gospel of John. Thomas is one of the twelve, which means he spends about three years living and traveling with Jesus witnessing his miracles and hearing his teachings. He sees many different examples of Jesus' power, including his ability to raise people from the dead. In John chapter 11, Thomas is depicted as courageous and loyal. Jesus hears of his friend Lazarus' death and wants to return to Judea. But the disciples are afraid for him to go back because that would likely mean his death and their death. But it's not Peter, James, or John who rallies the troops. It's Thomas saying, let us also go that we may die with him. Thomas would rather risk death with his teacher than live a life without him. When Jesus tells the disciples on their last evening together that he is going to prepare a place for them, he says, You know where I'm going, and you know the way. Thomas speaks up and says, wait a minute, what do you mean? We don't know the way. Thomas's question sets up one of Jesus' most clarifying statements. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's clear that Thomas isn't afraid to speak up. How many of us can say the same? I have this image in my head of the disciples standing around, shaking their heads, saying, come on, Thomas, not again. But Thomas asks for what he needs. And each time he does, Jesus meets him in the asking. Jesus doesn't rebuke Thomas. Jesus simply gives Thomas what he needs. We're taught from an early age that there are no stupid questions, and I agree. Yet we can, at the same time, be aware that in reality there are questions that might get us in trouble, questions that might cause others to laugh at us, questions that might cause us to feel shame. 
I have always struggled to share my voice or to speak up when I have a question. I often doubt my ability to share in a group setting. I am a people pleaser, and the last thing I ever want to do is hurt someone's feelings or to cause conflict. I also don't want to open myself up for rejection or to feel shame. About a year ago, I had an experience in a class I was taking as part of my preparation to become a deacon. The class was all about self-analysis and self-realization. It was not fun. It was uncomfortable and at times excruciating, yet such an important part of my discernment journey. My classmates and I took turns asking probing personal questions of each other sometimes unearthing deep-rooted shame and fear. After a particularly difficult session, which brought me to tears, I began to doubt. I doubted whether I truly belonged in the class. I doubted the instructor's ability to manage the class and rein in the discussions that became too personal. I doubted I could handle the hard questions and the uncomfortable answers. After class, I angrily asked the instructor, why didn't you step in? Why didn't you stop the discussion when you could see it was causing me so much sadness? Why did you leave it up to me to say stop? Without realizing it, I had answered my own question. My doubts were actually doubts that God would take care of me in that uncomfortable situation. I was doubting my worth and possibly using doubt to protect myself against disappointment. Maybe Thomas felt the same way. But doubt can be a gift. It can lead us to greater trust, not because of anything we could offer, but only because of how Jesus graciously meets us, even in our biggest skepticism. Jesus' post-resurrection visits to the disciples were not without purpose. He knew they were scared, so scared that they were hiding behind locked doors. And who could blame them? They had just witnessed the one they confessed to be the Messiah, betrayed by one of his own, tried and convicted, and then brutally executed. Little wonder they were afraid. They probably assumed that the next step would be to round up Jesus' followers. Would they be next? Jesus appears with the disciples on the inside of the locked door, saying, Peace be with you. When the disciples hear these words, all their fear and despair falls away. Jesus meets them in their fear and breathes on them signifying their call to continue Jesus' earthly ministry. On this visit, Thomas was not there. John doesn't tell us why Thomas is missing or where he was. We just know that he did not see Jesus that night. Thomas had not seen Jesus for himself. I think Thomas is a realist. He wants the facts and he needs things to add up to make sense. In some ways, you may be like that too. I know I am. 
Take, for example, the concept of teaching math to a young child. When I was in school, 4 times 4 equaled 16. Because, well, because it did. We relied on faith that our teacher knew what she was talking about, and 4 times 4, in fact, equals 16. No proof needed. These days, as a mother of a 15 and 9-year-old, I can attest that proof is necessary. Students must prove their work through drawings, charts, circles, and any other myriad of illustrations. And let me tell you, faith has no place in elementary school math. In the book of Hebrews, it is written that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We live in a skeptical world where truth can seem to be a rare commodity. As humans, we want facts to resolve our skepticism. Faith defies that process. Faith is essential in the life of Christians. Faith is a mysterious gift from God. Yet being a believer doesn't mean you never question anything. Questions and even skepticism are signs of interest and curiosity. These quite often are the soil in which true faith is born. I have good news. Jesus' invitation is not to come to him with answers, but to come while we are tired and weary so that we might learn from him. It's all right if we have doubts. It's all right if we're skeptics. The freedom to doubt and wrestle with ideas about God and our relationship with God are important to our own formation, just like it was important for Thomas. A week after his first visit to the disciples, Jesus returns, and this time, Thomas is there. Despite his doubt, Thomas is still a disciple of the Lord, and Jesus loves him. Once again, Jesus' first word to all of them were, Peace be with you. Not, peace be with you, except for Thomas, who doesn't believe in me, and therefore I'm angry with him and intend to punish him. No. Jesus seeks Thomas out. Jesus goes to him. Jesus shows his wounds and invites Thomas not only to see, but to touch. Jesus invites Thomas into a personal and intimate relationship. Jesus meets Thomas in his doubt and responds in such a way that Thomas' faith grows. Jesus gives Thomas exactly what he needs. Thomas doesn't need to see the nail prints anymore. He recognizes Jesus by his love. His faith was restored in the presence of the living Christ, and he fell on his knees, my Lord and my God. Thomas never touches Jesus, yet he declares his faith, my Lord and my God. Accepting the death and resurrection of Jesus, without doubt, can be challenging. For some, it may be impossible. God gave us inquisitive minds, and he wants us to use them. 
Yet it is impossible for us to resolve our doubt on our own, no matter how hard we try. I would love to tie a pretty bow around my story from the classroom that day and leave you with some enlightened words of inspiration, but I can't. I still struggle with doubt. What I can leave you with is this. Jesus met me in my doubt. He opened my eyes and my heart to experience his love. Jesus is okay with our skepticism and meets us head on in our brokenness. Jesus' willingness to engage Thomas in the midst of his doubt can encourage us to bring our doubts to him too. Maybe owning our doubts, our shame, our anxieties, our questions can open new ways of seeing and believing in a God who gave so much for us. A God who pours out his grace over and over again even though we don't deserve it. A God who sacrificed his son so that we might be cleansed of our sin. A God who meets us like Thomas in our doubt. Amen.